A Fork on the Road is brought to you by GoDaddy. Well, they have everything you need to put your business online, find new customers, and kick butt online. They started by registering... says kick ass online. I don't want to say ass. But that's what GoDaddy wants you to say. No, I don't want to say GoDaddy's all that. about ass. Have you not seen Danica Patrick? She's fabulous. She is. Right, you can get you started by registering a domain name and creating your website with GoDaddy's easy-to-use website builder. Already have a site? Keep it running fast with GoDaddy web hosting. It's go time. Visit, Visit GoDaddy.com. Enter promo code FORK32 and save 32% on your new purchases. Some limitations apply. Always, with See everything. See the website for details and then get ass kicking online. Get butt kicking with GoDaddy. Whatever. Oh, I got a chance to meet. Edition of a fork on the road. I am travel guru Mark DiCarlo, and next to me is the lovely and talented traveling diva Yenny Alvarez. And we're coming to you live from San Francisco, California, the Golden Gate City, the city of brotherly love, the city of the big shoulders. The city by the bay. That's the one I was thinking of. Actually, you know, when we landed at the airport the other day, Tony Bennett's uh, I Left My Heart in San Francisco was playing. Now, I'm guessing that that just plays constantly, 24-7. Can you imagine how edgy that makes all the people that work in the airport? <laughs> no, they all love Tony Bennett. I know, but I love that song, too. But if you had to hear it eight hours a over day, 40 hours a week, it would not be great. But this is a beautiful city, and it's summertime. A great time to be in San Francisco. If you have a jacket for night. It does get a little cold. It does. But it's San Francisco. That's to be expected. Um fun time up here. We're up here for a little recreation. Also, to do a, a little thing for the uh, Credit Unions of America. Yes. A really great group of people that help people get smarter about their financial security and uh, saving more money than banks normally do. So I was And there's no fees. Did you know that? Because I have I a credit union. Yes, I was. There's no fees. Like the bank charges to keep your money there. Mm-hmm. Credit unions don't. No. Not mine. No. I was actually emceeing the entire event, so I actually do know that. Uh-huh. I'm impressed that you know it, though. Uh, but luckily, we had lots of uh, free time to buzz around San Francisco. So if you're thinking about taking a trip to San Francisco, this is the show for you. We've got a lot of great guests on the show. Turns out there's a Japan town in San Francisco, and we went there. I didn't know there was a Japan Me town. Neither. I knew about Chinatown, which we went there, Everyone and it was knows great. About Chinatown, Jake. But they have the most amazing little Japan town, mm-hmm. uh, and it's called that. And they have not a particularly clever name for it, but <laughs> they have it. But it's really nice, and you can you know see it from almost anywhere in the city when you're driving around. There's this big, beautiful white pagoda mm-hmm. that you, you want to figure out what that is, mm-hmm. and there's great food that you've never seen before. Right. We had a great we have a great interview with a, uh, a wonderful, beautiful old Japanese lady who was telling us, I think, uh, why she liked the particular place we ended up in and why things were so delicious. And um, what else do we have? And we have Alice that's going to tell us everything about edible tours. They are the only ones that have a food tour of Japantown. Mm-hmm. Which drew me immediately to that because, one, I want to know all the places to go to and what to order. That's a great company, too, Edible Excursions. We found a bunch of really great food tours, and uh, 
And we have Sophia Lorenzi telling us about... Um, Sophia Loren? Lorenzi. Oh, I wish it was Sophia Italiana. Loren. Sophia Lorenzi, you're going to love her. She's fabulous. She's telling us everything about um, the food tours uh, in San Francisco, how they came about, the history of Mission. And we're talking to Brandon from Mission Minis, who's also going to give us a brief uh, little history about his tiny little cupcakes for a dollar in Mission and the history of the place. A lot of great food in San Francisco. We actually uh, took a walk the first day we got there and went into Chinatown to a tea tasting. And there was a really... Do we know the name of that place? We just wandered in. There was an old guy behind the counter, and he was doing like a comedy routine about tasting tea. It was, it was phenomenal. Hilarious. It was really fun. And then we took a drive. There's this company called Go Cars, uh, right in uh, the Union Square area of San Francisco, and they're like little go karts that yeah. you can rent. So we got in one. They have two different kinds. They have the 50cc and the 150cc. For some reason, they gave us the 50cc, and we couldn't actually get up all the hills. Yes, there was a, one little scary part. They're going up a hill, and you couldn't actually right. make and it. Got so buses we had to and turn cable cars and behind you, honking, and that was not fun. So make sure you get the bigger one, the more powerful 150cc one. But it's a great way to see the city because they're really small and you're you feel like you're literally riding in a go-kart and you really kind of experience and feel the city and you know what san francisco it's kind of like an eastern city nestled in the west it is it is i felt very it's at small home. and compact it's communities and, yeah yeah they have a, a great sense of communities in all the little um historic towns and such a uh, talk about a melting pot man oh man that it looks like a giant benetton commercial <laughs> Everywhere you go in San Francisco, everybody of every shape, shade, and uh, persuasion walking around, having a great time. The day we landed <laughs> was the uh, the gay pride parade in San that Francisco. That was fun. There the were outfits. naked people walking through the streets. So what? The outfits were amazing. Or the lack thereof. <laughs> there were a lot of people from the Midwest at our <laughs> we're in, and I think uh, the naked people walking through the street rocked them. But it's it's a great vibrant city. Of course, we went to our favorite Italian restaurant up there, Sodini's, while we were there. And we found a Persian restaurant that is now our favorite Persian restaurant in San Francisco. It's called Makaday. 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 Well, let's spell it. It's M-A-K-A-H. No, M-A-K-E-D-E-H. Makaday. Oh, Makaday. It's a Mac-a-day. Grant and Green. Uh, it's actually in the heart of the Italian district, the North Beach district. Delicious Persian food. Um, oh my and, God, that's And then we had some good Indian insane. food too. See, that's the beauty of going to a city that is ethnically diverse. You have all these different flavors and foods. We had great Persian food. We had great Indian food, great Italian food. We had some great seafood. We had, well, I had a latte that I never thought I was going to have something like this. It was a sweet potato latte. And it was Which sounds insane gross. delicious. It was. At Yanikikyu. Uh-huh. And that's in uh, Japantown. It was really, really great. Well, why don't we hear from Alice about everything there is to do in Japantown and what to order when you go to these great little little places. Okay, let's do that. We are in Japantown, San Francisco, and we're talking to Alice from Edible Excursions. Welcome, Alice. Thank you. Welcome to Japantown. I am really thrilled to be here. I love Japanese food, and uh, I want to know a little bit more about the tour, the places that you go to, the food that you uh, eat here. I did a little bit of research, and I saw the pastries. So that, I want to I focus more on the, on the <laughs> <Of course>. food, <laughs> the pastries, on the food. Okay, well, Japantown, you know... Um, I didn't even know San Francisco had a Japantown. Yeah, Japan, yeah a lot of people don't. Uh, some people that do know about Japantown, they come out, you know, to go to a theater and maybe uh, catch a movie and then go to one of the restaurants and then they go 
home and they never really get to see what really a true Japantown is and part of making this uh, tour interesting is I cover a lot of the history mm -hmm. maybe not too much but a little bit of the history of what the Japanese Americans have gone through and what this community has gone through um, and uh, you know I cover everything from the immigrants to uh, when World War II broke out and um, they were put, Japanese Americans were put in relocation camps. And then what happened to the community? Why it, it is so small right now? It used to be 30 blocks in radius. If you can imagine that. Uh, after the 1906 earthquake, they moved out here uh -huh. because a lot of their areas were destroyed. And then from there, they moved to this area, which is called the Western Edition. And the Western Which Edition, is basically due west of Union Square, basically. Yes, right? yes, and very close to Fillmore Street. Uh, right now, we are only about a six-block radius, if you can believe it or not, kind of a hidden treasure. Um, Why has it gotten small? Well, one because of when the war broke out, mm -hmm. um, about 500 residents that live in San Francisco, uh, Japantown, were relocated. They were asked to get whatever they could carry, move out of their homes, sell their businesses. Um, get rid of their property, and uh, they were put in relocation camps all over California. And what percentage of the population was that, those 500 people? Was that the whole population? No, there's actually 120,000 in all that was put into relocation camps. So they were spread out all of California and, uh, yeah, Colorado, all in that area. So, uh, But in this particular community, there were 500 of them rounded up. Okay. Uh, and uh, one of the interesting things about it is that it the place where they had to all report before they were put on buses is only a block away from here. So uh, this this area here is very interesting because uh, the shops, the shops and the owners here are kind of on the shy side, and so it's my job to kind of open them up and help them to um, you know share their food and their culture, and that's what I enjoy the best is being able to make everybody feel comfortable about coming to Japantown. Um, but the best part of it is you get to eat the food. You get to try yes. different samplings of everything What are here. some of your favorite places here in Japantown? Well, the way that uh, Lisa and I um, first met was um, I used to do private tours and take people on um, lunch tours. Um, my son went to a high school just a block away from here, and I realized that a lot of the moms didn't know any of the places around here. And so we would go to lunches. Um, and so that's how we built our tour, is I took Lisa to all my favorite places. Um, one of the first places we go is Yakiniku uh, Cafe, which is a cafe that is uh, owned by uh, Christy, who is Korean. And uh, she What makes... is she doing in Japantown? Well, believe it or not, <laughs> believe it or not, there are um, a fair amount of Korean restaurants and Korean residents who live right here in Japantown. And well, um, you got to get rid of them. No, it's no, gotta no, no. It's got to be just Japan. <laughs> no, we're all inclusive. And uh, they're wonderful neighbors of ours. And they have wonderful food. So we all coexist together and we all share, you know, in culture and, and be good neighbors to each other. What's and the what, difference between the Korean food and the Japanese food? Oh, well. Is it like barbecue? You know, a lot of. Very different. Well, yeah. I, I know that. But I well, want Alice to tell us. I'm guessing she probably knows more about it than we do. Well, you know, there's similarities and there's differences. Um, Japanese food tends to not be as spicy. We uh, Japanese food usually doesn't use a lot of uh, chilies and that type of thing. Uh, but the Korean food tends to have a little bit of a, a bite to it. More punch to it, to it yeah. yeah. And do Koreans me. have sushi or is that exclusively Japanese? 
You know, it's interesting you say that because sometimes some of the restaurants, when they do sell their food, they kind of incorporate the sushi, but then they use uh, Korean products. Like they'll put kimchi in it. Oh, no, you can't do that. No, 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 they do that. <laughs> they'll, like, they'll mix kimchi with maybe a little bit of crab meat and a little bit of avocado, and, and they'll have a little spicy dip sauce, you know, that goes with that. And, you know, it's just as good. I mean, I like fusion food myself. I like something a little different, and I think... This tour makes it special because most of the people who come on this tour, when I ask them, oh, have you had the sweet potato latte or have you had a taiyaki, they say no. So I'm really happy because it, it opens up their whole taste buds to something new. You're blowing their Japanese minds. There you go. And what do you there usually you order at Yanikikyu Cafe? Okay, so Yakiniku Cafe, Yakiniku Cafe. Uh -huh, has something called a sweet potato latte. We and are so going there and ordering that. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, you can get it iced, uh, but we or always order it um, warm or hot. And what's nice about it is if you're vegan or you're lactose intolerant, they also make it with the soy milk. Ooh. And um, so it's just that. It's sweet potato puree with a little bit of simple sugar and then your dairy product or your non-dairy product and a little bit of water. And it's just whipped up like a latte. So it's all foamy and that good. That sounds and, delicious. And it's really good. And Very what is your good. next stop after that? Okay. So then we go down the block and we go visit um, Benkyo Do. And Binkyo Do is kind of our landmark in Japantown. You cannot leave Japantown without going That's there. That's the one with the pastries. That's the one with the manju and the mochi. Mochi. Yeah. And what's special about that place is, is that they have um, very, very fresh mochi and manju. And when I say fresh, they are up at 4 o'clock in the morning making mochi and manju. That's some fresh manju. And you will not find that anywhere else in Japantown. And people who come to this tour say, oh, I've had manju, I've had mochi. But when it's they... It's not the same. What they, is manju and mochu? Okay, so manju and mochi are both sweet confections that it are... It sounds like a Japanese comedy duo. Uh, it does. Like the huh? Abbott and Costello M &M, of Japan. M &M, yeah. No, but basically <laughs> what it on is... first? Manju. <laughs> mochu a second. <laughs> what it is, is um, they're little rice cakes, kind of, you know? So what they do is they take, like, sweet rice which is different from the rice that you eat um, in a restaurant you know with savory food and they steam it they pound pound it until it's just it makes this like stretchy smooth glutinous type of um, chewiness that that it's hard Almost to display like ricey gum sort yeah of kind, of. kind mm. of like that and then what they do is they f and then they get this red azuki bean i love azuki bean it's yeah. great with ice cream they too. cook it yeah they mash it up and then they make these little balls and then they cover it with the mochi so that in itself is what mochi is and then manju is the sweet bean but it also has like a big covering or a steam covering um similar to like maybe um a cookie covering mm -hmm. or a um a chow shu bao covering if you've ever had a chow shu bao that's mm -hmm. steamed the bun mm -hmm. yeah and the what's the name of the place to go to to get there? It's Dayan? called Benkyo Do. Okay. And um, what about like is, an, a main course or a, like a main lunch? A main lunch. That sounds is that it sounds desserty. To well, me. that's that that is definitely a dessert. Um, one of the favorite places that we go is Meifune Don, and Meifune Don is uh, is a place where they have all kinds of savory foods, but the one that we enjoy serving or, or introducing to people is called okonomiyaki have you ever heard of okonomiyaki no okay so okonomiyaki is kind of considered like a japanese pizza if i was to explain it to someone who's never mm. had it before um, okonomiyaki was um, originated in hiroshima 
and um, what's cool about it is that it's cooked in a cast iron pan oh, and I it's kind of like pans. a it's kind of like a pancake that has shredded cabbage that kind of holds it together but in it you can have a mixed okonomiyaki which uh, includes seafood such as a little bit of squid you got shrimp um, sometimes you can have a little bit of chicken it has a little bit of pork in it and so every bite has um, goodies in it <laughs> and it's it's served hot in a cast iron they cut it kind of like a pie so you know you have like little wedges that you try and what's cool about it is that the toppings have um, uh, sort of like two different kinds of sauces this combination of like a sweet teriyaki sauce mm -hmm. and then a Japanese mayonnaise and so they put the sweet teriyaki sauce on it then a Japanese mayonnaise and then they top it off with something called uh, bonito flakes. Oh, fish. And, yeah, bonito flakes. And I have to always explain before the dish comes out because the bonito flakes move. It comes out yes. moving yeah. because of the heat from the okonomiyaki. They put those on shishito uh, pepper. peppers, right? Yes, yes. Oh, they're always fun. They're delicious. Yes. And you can also and have that on tofu, too. All these places are in walking distance. We're at... Uh, we're in J the center of Japantown is at Post and what's Post the Post and Buchanan. Okay. Post That's the best Buchanan. place to start. Right and under is, the, the and white this pagoda. this is where we start. We start right at the pagoda. are from here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we're only, we only go maybe about five blocks in radius. Uh -huh. And so we go to the outdoor mall. We visit a supermarket. Um, and then they have a little bit of what's called okazu, which are small dish dishes of different types of savory food. And then you'll get a bowl of noodles, either uh, udon or somen. Um, depending on the day, if it's a hot day, we'll have cold um, somen, which is really good. Um, or on a cold, cool day, we'll have hot, like a hot soup. And there's got to be some sushi restaurants around here. Which one do you think is the most authentic? You know, it's hard to say. There's um, so many different ones that I can't really put a plug on it. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's a, a place called Kiss Sushi, which is a tiny, tiny, secretive kind of place that is under a condominium. Ooh. So that's on Laguna Street, and they only seat 12 people, 12 to 15 people. So you have to make your reservations um, way in advance, and it's supposed to be the best. I'm I've sorry to say I have not sushi. tried it, but it's about $125, <laughs> and you ask for the omakase, which includes yes. the sushi, and then it includes other little uh, okazu dishes, and I hear it's really good. You're making me hungry. So, I'm starving. Yeah. What yeah. do we have? What do we have at the supermarket again? Okay, so if you go to Super Mira, mm -hmm. um, you will go in there, and it's a just it's a small, tiny little place. But there's a great, nice little seating area that they opened up, and they have a little kitchen. And so you'll have your little soup. You'll have your little three dishes of okazu, and um, and then what I do is I take the some of the raw ingredients and I bring it back to the table and I have a quiz and I ask the people do you know what this is <laughs> sometimes they know what it is sometimes they don't so that's always fun to, to kind of educate them on it and then I tell them how I cook it how I cook these ingredients because that's what makes it real and that's what makes it more friendly right uh -huh. when you tell them this is the way that I make something we were actually in, we were in Chinatown the other day and we went in for a tea tasting and there was this 85 year old guy who was doing a comedy routine basically oh, just it was goofing fantastic. around and and made it very personable uh -huh. And very um, 
entertaining. So you, we actually learned a bunch about tea, wow. but very different than... And went home very, with great, fantastic yeah. tea that when you put water in it, it unfolds and there's actual tea leaves, which you don't get that from supermarket tea. No. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Who takes your tour? Is it Japanese people or is it mostly non-Japanese people? Non-Japanese people, and surprisingly, some of them live right in San Francisco, two or three blocks away from here. And they've never even and they've come, eh? never, they've never, they've, they never tried the things that I offer to them. So that, that's what makes me happy. My, my intention, too, or my hope is that I will get more international people, international guests to come well, we're and here, discover. We're heard all over mm-hmm. the world, all yeah. over the English-speaking Who world. Who are you? Oh, good. Yeah. I'm sure there's some people listening to us who don't understand yeah. us they just love the sound of our voices but <laughs> i'm guessing most of our fans are english speak or spanish speaking or spanish speaking yeah so you know i mean surprisingly sometimes i have guests that are japanese or they're like third generation japanese like myself and their parents maybe didn't share their their food traditions or they had the food but they ne- never knew what the ingredients were they would just eat it and uh-huh. never ask and so they would ask me well, what is that or yeah I remember that in my childhood but I wasn't sure you know where I could find that food or how it's prepared and so I kind of give them stories with the food and then it kind of brings back those memories and it's really kind of interesting to see them kind of like go back in there in time and remember that comfort food that grandma used to make or their mom used to make yeah every culture yeah. has that you have the, the the food traditions that i mean i grew up in an italian house in chicago and the way my grandmother made ravioli and gravy it was that was the way so what you know whenever i go out to an italian place i'm always measuring that food against what I got when I was five years old. Exactly. So I would say exactly. it's the same for uh, Japanese, every culture, right? Yeah, yeah. How can people get in touch with you so that when they do come from all over the world, they can get a tour of Japantown and not go to the crappy places and just have a guided tour of just the I best of the best? I would love people to go on the website. It's called um, Edible Excursions. So go on edibleexcursions.net. And um, the owner of the um, organization, is called, her name is Lisa Rogovin. And... Uh, they do tours all over the city, but we would love more people to come to Japantown. And, well, you guys are the uh, only ones that do the Japantown tours. I, I think so. I, I, think I so. looked. I did my research. I, you guys are the only ones so far that I could find online that uh, do the Japantown tours. So yeah. I, I was really excited that there's a tour here for Japantown, which I didn't even know. No, you know, I've San Francisco here, had a Japantown. I've, I've lived here for 28 years. I met and married a minister that has a church right in Japantown. And that opened up just like a whole new world to me. Um, I actually learned how to cook at the church with um, first and second generation Japanese women. And that's the best way to me to learn how to cook because they they know. And did they they give you all the secrets? No, you know what? Sometimes they'll hold a piece, like one ingredient back so yours isn't quite as tasty as theirs, right? Right, right. I have to cook with them and I have to secretly write the notes because they did not have recipes. You know, when I first got started at the church, I was like, okay, show me how to make it. We'll show it to you, but we don't have a recipe. And it took me five years to actually get a good chirashi mixed sushi Ooh. recipe from them. And um, I'll tell you, they're pretty strict in the kitchen. <laughs> and it wasn't easy to get that recipe. No, we've oh, we've run into other, other cultures where the, the older women will teach the, the next generation of women how to cook. But several times they find out that they leave out salt and leave our garlic or one little ingredient that makes it, that makes it good but not great right. but it doesn't make it the same because you don't want i mean I, t- look at it from the mom's point of view you don't want your son's wife 
to have the same uh, recipe because you want to be, you know, well, the woman Well, that's what I'm saying. The it's a territorial. If women could pee on their dishes, they would. That's what, <laughs> that's what guys do. We pee on trees and things to mark our territory. <laughs> women, they just they leave one ingredient one out to mark your territory. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, I've had uh, maybe about four women who make their specialty every year at church or every time we have a service, and I tell them, can I have the recipe? And they always say, no, no. And then as they get closer to, you know, going into the spiritual world, they, they give me the recipe, and I'm Wait, like you mean dying? forever grateful. No, I don't want to say <laughs> that because, you know, I, I, I we have a church. But... <laughs> You know, it's one of they, those. They talk about death all the time in the Catholic you know, Church. That's how they get they? their. That's how they oh, make their money. Okay. Yeah. No, but but you know, then I just I really honor it, and you know, I tell them, okay, I'm not going to share it with anyone. I'll keep it in my special cookbook, you know. But uh, there is one recipe I do for pickles, and um, it's a special recipe, and I make it every year for our summer bazaar, and it sells out. Mm. So what's it called? It's called Takwan's pickle, uh, Mabel's Takwan pickles. I think we have to come back here during the and get some Mabel's. Well, Cat thank you pickles. so much, Alice. This is very. This has been an, a very eye-opening experience, and now yes, I think we're going to go eat at those places. Yes, because absolutely. I'm hungry. Definitely. What was the name of that uh, sushi, sushi pizza? Oh, Okonomiyaki. Okonomiyaki. And it's at Mifune Don, on the second floor Mifune. of the East Mall. Gotcha. Yeah, and order the mixed one if you're not vegetarian. Order the mixed one because that's that has everything. It has Deal. all the goodies in it. Thank you so Thank much. You. So much information, mm-hmm. but I love that I know what to order at these places because you can look at the menu and see the photos, but not everything is on the menu. So the fact that she told me exactly what to order and that pizza, that Japanese yeah, was really pizza good. was delicious. Well, and lots of times I think that um, intimidates people. They don't want to go into ethnic places because they can't pronounce the food or they don't know what They don't to... know what to order. Yeah, so you're going to order something, you're going to get, you know, a fish eye soup. Who wants that? Everything, every place she told us to go turned out to be super duper delicious. And one of the places in Japantown was kind of like the bakery or the snack place where you can get moki and mangu. Mm-hmm. And if you don't Aren't know what superheroes Moki... in Japan, <laughs> no, Moki and they're Mangu? like little. Snacks. I think Moki and Mangu fought Godzilla and beat it's it. It's like a gooey, chewy covering. Um, like it looks like a bonbon, but it's not a bonbon. And it has inside it has red bean or it has peanut butter, mm, and peanut then outside is that gooey rice covering. Uh-huh. And there, Mark found this great character, Kyoko. Right. Well, we walked in, and it, it was like an old timey lunch counter, like you'd see in a uh, Humphrey Bogart. Movie. Movie. And we walked in and there were these three Japanese women sitting at the counter and it was like girls night out, girls day out, actually. But they, you know, they were all probably in their 80s. And, and they, they were so cute. Well, and just like women everywhere, they were trying to split a bill it three was like, ways. It was like Japanese sex in the city. It was, <laughs> but for seniors. It was hilarious because even though I didn't understand a word they said, I knew exactly what they were doing. They were holding the receipt and going, oh, no, no. We have friends like that. I know. It's just funny to see it in a different language. So I wanted to find out why she kept coming back to this place. And it turns out she's been doing it for decades. Can you tell me your name again? Kiyoko. And how long have you been coming here? How long? Oh, it's uh, 20. No, not 20. 15, 15 years. 15 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. How, why do you like it so much? Oh, it's very comfortable. Comfortable place. Uh-huh. Yeah. I love this, this uh, and, uh, old-time <laughs> counter, like mm-hmm. a lunch yes, counter, yes, breakfast counter. Yeah. So, and uh, Japanese people come. Uh-huh. Well, any old one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
So very comfortable. So it's like a clubhouse for you. You come and you oh. see your friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and right. You sit yeah. And have coffee. Mm-hmm. And yes, you eat. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, are you drinking tea or coffee? What do you like to drink? A coffee. Coffee. Most coffee. Okay. But and how, coffee. how do you take your coffee? Special coffee, and we and we make you know. So nice. Is there in it? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> I love, but I love Irish coffee, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You drink Irish mean, coffee now? No, oh, not your regular. Not. So what's your regular coffee? No, just to go, you know, uh, over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, uh, what's the name of it? Uh, anyhow, Irish coffee I like. Yeah. But uh, this is regular coffee. Okay. But the more this one, uh, my you know this one strong for me. Mine more weak, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. And what do you like to eat here? What pastries oh, can you get here that you can't get anywhere favorite, else? My favorite. This one. Oh, kinako? Yeah, kinako, but we call it in Japan the goose, goose mochi. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. Describe, what does it taste like? Can taste is. Oh, no. Inside, you know, uh, red bean. Mm-hmm. Red yeah. bean. The outside, and the mochi, mochi powder. It's kind of spongy, right? No, not spongy. No, it's no. crisp. Not, not crisp, but uh, not spongy, but uh, soft, very soft. Soft, nice. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So nice one, I remember. Chofu, that one too. Pancake? No, behind, you know, that pancake inside, just like, you know, mochi, look like, yeah. Mm. Everything looks delicious. Yeah, yeah, so is this yes. what you have for breakfast? You have these pastries for breakfast usually? Oh, no, not What's a good, not. healthy Japanese breakfast? No. Nuts? Nuts? Nuts. Oh. Snacks, snacks, yeah. Snacks. Yeah. And oh, okay. also this one too. Rainbow, we, we call rainbow. it rainbow, not, a, rain, not a rainbow, but we call it rainbow, rainbow. This the rainbow. Yeah, this is most mochi. Yeah, mochi. Taste, yeah taste. Well, thank you very much for talking Welcome. to us. Okay. Uh, I hope you have another good 20 years here. Enjoy your <laughs> yeah, Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. How cute is she? So you can't get that at like a Dunkin' Donuts or a No, Denny's. who wants to go there? No, it was really, uh, oh, she was very she was sweet. And uh, the, the, the mochi was actually, the peanut butter one was really good. Yeah, I like that yeah, one. Yeah, it was. I like that too. Besides besides the Japantown and, you know, the sweet potato latte and um, Chinatown, there's other little neighborhoods and little communities that maybe they're not as known, but when you get there, you feel like you're in a completely different world. I had the pleasure of speaking with Sofia Lorenzi from Edible Excursions and Brandon from Mission Minis, which are tiny little cupcakes for a dollar. And they told me the history of the place and how everything came about. So uh, let's talk to them right now. All right. We have Sofia Lorenzi with us. Welcome to the show, Sofia. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me, Annie. <laughs> I had an incredible time in San Francisco. And uh, one of the things I'm not crazy about San Francisco is that it's really cold at night, but the days are beautiful. And walking through all these neighborhoods that, are, that feel so incredibly authentic especially the Mission uh, neighborhood. And today I had the pleasure of um, walking through Mission neighborhood with you. And you gave me a fantastic tour. It was beautiful. Oh, I'm glad you had a nice time. Yeah, it's a beautiful city. Um, We always say dress in layers because after 3 p.m., you really never know how cold it's going to get. (laughs) The fog might come in. Well, why don't we we, uh, tell our audience exactly what we did today um, and the places that you go to on the tour and a little bit about you. Let's start with a little bit about you and how you um, found this calling. 
Great. Okay. Yeah. So um, what I do now is I'm a tour guide and um, operations manager for Edible Excursions, and we're a local Bay Area food tour company. Um, it actually all started with Lisa, my boss, who started it about 10 years ago. Who is now uh, on vacation and was so sweet and nice to take our phone call when we said we'd love to have you on the show. And she's in Lake Tahoe and organized for us to, to meet up. Yeah, yeah, she um, definitely is. She's uh, definitely a businesswoman. Um, she worked for Gourmet Magazine uh, for several years in um, advertising sales and then had a, uh, decided to leave her job and travel all around the world and uh, was really inspired by all the local experiences she had. Mm -hmm. And um, it started as a side project. She was doing um, ferry building tours for uh, the Four Seasons in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And um, she thought that was such a great thing. And then when she, after she came back from her trip around the world, she decided to embark full time. So um, it started with the ferry building uh, 10 years as of this June. And um, then it branched out. Uh, the, we do a tour in the Gourmet Ghetto in North Berkeley. We the Gourmet do Ghetto? What is that? Yes. <laughs> the gourmet, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, the Gourmet Ghetto is actually an area of Berkeley, in North Berkeley, which um, is considered the home of uh, California cuisine. So there's uh, Alice Waters Chez Panisse is located there and um, several offshoots of Chez Panisse. So um, a lot of different employees have come in and out of Chez Panisse and then gone off and opened their own restaurants. For example, there's a local butcher shop over there. That's fantastic. There's Saul's Deli, which is a great Jewish deli. Mm -hmm. There's Cheese Board, which is a great uh, co-op that also makes fantastic pizza. I could go on and on. Um, well, where there's we cheese, were... there's pizza. <laughs> but you would hope, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And so then after that, uh, we decided to do a mission tour, uh, which is our mission 24th street tour, which is essentially what we did today. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the mission district is, um, definitely a really happening area in San Francisco. And it feels um, really authentic. It's great for people watching. It is. It is. That's what you said. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it depends on where you're at though. So it's a pretty big neighborhood for San Francisco, which in itself is a very small city. It's only seven miles by seven miles. But um, the mission itself is pretty large and has several different, I would say, you could say neighborhoods or corridors within the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And um, Valencia Street Corridor is really where the kind of the national attention is coming to big restaurants that are over there. However, uh, down 24th Street, which we consider the heart of the mission, that is where we spend our time today. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where we have our tour. It's a three-hour walking food tour. We definitely love to feed people. So it's certainly a meal replacement. Hey, we, we love that. to be fed. <laughs> I know how it feels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we love our we love our partners over there because they um, they're all uh, many of them. It's many of them are uh, Latin-owned businesses and family-run businesses, and some have been open for. Um, almost 100 years, like uh, Roosevelt Tamale Parlor, which we went to today. And we had the most delicious um, butternut squash tamales. Yes. And uh, so horchata. So oh. <laughs> yes, definitely the best horchata on 24th Street, which would be perhaps surprising because of how many taquerias are on the street. But I, I would argue that I would bet money that it's the best horchata on the and street. And I would have to say that's, that's 
pretty good. <laughs> that horchata was very, very delicious. I've had homemade horchata, and that, is, that feels like homemade horchata, but you're getting it at a restaurant. And Definitely. the food, the portions were great. The tamales were delicious. The red beans have um, cheese on top of it. It was fantastic. Mm -hmm. The food was really, really great. And uh, was it Aaron that uh, owns yeah. a place? Aaron's the owner. So he took it over about two years ago, mm -hmm. him and his uh, business partner, and they uh, revamped the whole place. So the story goes, it actually was originally owned by a Dutch family whose last name was Roosevelt. And um, interestingly enough, it also was the around. Dutch family made tamales? I know, isn't that funny? <laughs> I think they just wanted to make, I don't, I, you know, I have no idea how they came up with it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so they've been open since 1922. And interestingly enough, we're open since um, FDR was in office. Mm -hmm. But um, there's no official connection between uh, mm, the, that you the know of. <laughs> well, yeah, the story goes, but um, they recently renovated and changed up the menu because about two years ago, the menu was maybe 75 things long. And um, so when Aaron took it over, what they did is they redid the menu and pared it de way down. And now they use a lot better ingredients and they're catering to a much more uh, food conscious crowd these days. I realized that that's happening um, a lot in California, and uh, I thought it was mostly L.A., but you get to San Francisco and you see things like the butternut squash tamales. You see the horchata with, you know, it's all homemade. It's, it's great ingredients. It's not a puree from a can. Um, <laughs> and, and you see the people making the, um, the tortillas at that Mexican restaurant. Not Mexican restaurant, the Mexican supermarket. What is it called? La Palma? Oh, yeah, La Palma Mexicatessen. So play on <laughs> great Mexicatessen. <laughs> They're making their yeah. own tortillas by hand. Yes, yes, they do. And they've been, uh, that's a family run business that's been around for several decades. And they actually um, distribute their tamale, or excuse me, their tortillas to Tacolicious, which is um, probably the most well known, um, sought after contemporary taco place on Valencia Street. Um, they, I think they hit a million tacos last year, all oh, wow. using La Palma's uh, tortillas. So, um, and La Palma's very specific about who they will and won't sell to. Because really? they want to make sure they're quality. So they, if you buy their tortillas, you have to use them that day. So they're the tortilla um, Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that, yeah. They, um, they definitely are stick very strongly to their their quality of product and you should see that place during christmas time i mean the amount of tamales that come out of there is insane wow well <laughs> yeah. the entire neighborhood is absolutely beautiful great for people watching and walking around it felt very safe i just wanted to keep looking around and see you know there were there were little kids walking in like a school maybe a, a an excursion a day trip out but they were all mm. wearing orange um t-shirts and they were crossing the street and it felt like we were looking at cute little ducks with all the, the little ducklings in a row that were holding hands and laughing and <laughs> talking about the birds and making the bird noises and I mean it, it's a really beautiful safe neighborhood. Yeah it's a really beautiful community. Um, it's definitely going through a lot of changes right now um, as you many people will comment on and probably have read in the news. Um, it's very desirable to live in for many reasons. One, because um, it's arguably one of the warmest neighborhoods in San Francisco. Um, it's one of the last neighborhoods to get foggy at the end of the day. Mm. And um, also, and why is that? Because it 
It's pro- it's protected by Twin Peaks, uh, mm-hmm. which is yeah. a big hill that has that radio tower on it. Mm-hmm. And um, just because of that, its location is kind of shielded from the fog and the wind. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's definitely still windy, as you saw today. But, yeah. Uh, much I was less wearing so a jacket, than... thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so that's the kind of the variable weather that San Francisco has to offer. But yeah. And then back in uh, LA, it's 93 degrees. Are you serious? 93 Gosh. degrees. I think it's uh, cooled down a lot every year. <laughs> it's probably in the 50s yeah, we... over there. <laughs> yeah, it is. We we don't have a real summer here. Um, it gets pretty nice in late September, October. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's the we joke that it's the only city that, in, in July, you have to wear um, a scarf and a hat to the baseball game. So. Mark didn't even take <laughs> a coat and he was freezing. And, oh, you know, we always argue that I'm the one that's always freezing. And I'm, I was looking at him going, well, I brought my coat. Where's yours? <laughs> you freeze for a while. See how it feels. The next step is for you to wear heels and walk three miles. <laughs> but no, I brought my walking shoes and so did he. Um, And walking around Mission, all the alleys have this great Mexican art on it. You don't don't see, you don't see any, it's, it's all, you know, taken care of and it's all, they're very proud of their heritage and their culture and walking around, people know each other like um, Brandon from Mission Minis. They know him. He's the only, well, he's the only guy that's driving around in a golf cart. So, you know, if you see a golf cart, you know that's Brandon. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely a prominent neighborhood figure. Um, I think that's what's really nice about San Francisco. Uh, I know, you know, in L.A., things are a lot more spread out, right? So a sense of community is really different. Mm -hmm. Where here in the city, there's all these small neighborhoods or corridors within neighborhoods. And uh, you can definitely feel a sense of community and belonging. And I definitely feel that way as a someone who lives in the mission has lived there for I think a few years. I think that's something that's lacking in L.A. and something that it's my biggest pet peeve. I can't find a real sense of community in a neighborhood. So you pretty much have to make your own little community. And it's it's, yeah. a, it's very spread out over here. So it's, it's a little difficult to keep that going. But um, San Francisco, I can see it happening neighborhood by neighborhood. And uh, I think one of the best way to immerse yourself in that is taking a food tour, which is the thing that people ask you the most when you come back from a, from a vacation. What did you eat? Tell me your stories. <laughs> well, how's the food over there? So what do you think the people that you have in your tours? Why do you think they keep coming back? Why do you think they take your tours? That's a good question. I think that people take our tours. Well, the only re- let me first say the only requirement to take our tours is that you have to be hungry. <laughs> um, and I think what we really emphasize in our tours is obviously food. That's number one, um, excellent food. So all of our vendors mm-hmm. that we work with have to have great a great product. Um, and then it's about fun and it's also about education. So um, and depending on the type of person that you are, you'll kind of get hopefully all three of those things, but in different uh, proportions, depending on your interests. So um, we really like to focus on the history and context of the neighborhoods because um, that's why they, that's why the food has ended up the way that it has, Um, you know, whether it's in Japantown and, which was fantastic. Oh, yeah. And how, exactly. And how there's only one of three remaining Japantowns in the United States, all in California, actually. Oh, where's the third one? one? Um, L.A., San Jose, and San Francisco. Oh, we're going to have to go yeah. visit Japantown, San Jose. 
Yeah, yeah, and they all have this plaque um, that's there to to commemorate uh, the Japan towns that have been there. So, and then in the mission, um, you know, went from there went from being uh, Native Americans to the Spanish who developed the mission Dolores to um, the Mexicans when they took over after the Spanish-Mexican War to then the gold rush when all different kinds of people came in. And then after that, it was primarily uh, um, Italian and Irish neighborhood, actually. And it really wasn't until the 50s that, the, um, that a large Latin and South American population moved in uh, due to mostly like different kinds of political and socioeconomic uh, struggles. And so that the neighborhood's gone through so many changes. And so when you walk down 24th Street, I think it really reflects the history, whether you're looking at the murals that um, illustrate some of those political issues, or you see the old Irish bar or the old Italian restaurant, and then you see the tamale place and uh, the old butcher. There's, I mean, there's definitely something for everyone, and it really um, showcases everything that. Is there a great Persian community over there? Say that again. Is there a big Persian community in the mission? No, 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 not in the mission, but in in San Francisco. Do you think? You know, I don't. I don't think so, really. They actually just opened up a new Persian restaurant downtown, I believe. Mm-hmm. But um, you there, have there to is... try. There's one called Make a Day. It's in North okay. Beach with all the Italians, and it's one of the best Persian restaurants I've ever eaten at. It was phenomenal. Really? Everything. The, okay. Their ingredients were so fresh. I'm actually going to look for the yogurt that they use over there to see if I can find oh. it over here. It was phenomenal. It's called Make a Day. So you should definitely yeah. make a day and go see. Go eat okay. over there. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, you know, I there isn't really a big Persian population, definitely not in the mission, um, and definitely not like LA. Um, I think there's a lot. It's a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, what think, about the Italians? Do you guys have an Italian tour? <laughs> we don't have a, a North Beach tour. Uh, that's not something that we've we've conquered just yet. We have nine tours going on ten, so Ooh. we're a pretty small. But um, but we're you know we're not for food. That's a great. That's uh, ten tours of food. That's great. I mean, (laughs) I would have to go there for ten days to try every single one of them. But I do realize it's a lot of food. You're eating everywhere. Yes, yes, we definitely love to feed people. Like I said, that's our number one goal. Yeah, on all of our tours, whether it's at the Ferry Building and the Farmer's Market there, Japantown, or, um, you know, through the Mission, or even on our cocktail tour downtown, mm-hmm. we definitely still you, feed wait, people a lot. cocktail tour? Hold on. What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah, not just gloss to... over that. Let's talk about that cocktail tour. Yeah, sure. So San Francisco actually has a really strong history of cocktails. Um, arguably, it's a contested story, but arguably the Pisco Punch uh, was first poured here. Mm. And um, this is during the Barbary Coast times. And so there's this. there was this um, two, two Pisco Punch maximum. And um, they said that if you could make it around the block and come back, they'd serve you a third. But um, because there were like brothels on every corner, no one ever made it back for their third piece come up. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we, we go to this place called Cantina, which is owned by a guy who is actually coming out with a book. Um, it's not out yet, but he has his own Pisco vineyard in Peru and, um, he owns this bar and they um, have all kinds of Pisco and you learn about the history there. And then we go to several other bars, um, and learn about the different like 
contemporary mixology trends, but also kind of the prohibition era of cocktails. Mm -hmm. And it's great. You get um, definitely get buzzed. Mm -hmm. Do you have a (laughs) wine tour? Do you include the wine in the cocktail tour? We don't. Um, this co- this is mostly focused on, you know, kind of like mixology and mm-hmm. things like that. So, I mean, if somebody wanted one, we could definitely accommodate that. Mm-hmm. But um, Being so close we- to Napa and Sonoma, I imagine that that's a, a big draw. We went to Cafe Zotrop with, um, oh, by, yeah. you know, yeah. Francis for Coppola. Coppola's place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. we had two flights of wine that were phenomenal. We had the Reserva. Flights of Wine by Francis for Coppola. And it was it was fantastic. Loved it. And loved being there because Mark is a huge Godfather fan. So oh, to him, he great. was he could just sit there and, and look around and he would be happy. Yeah, North Beach has a really strong um, history of really interesting artists and directors and uh, writers have come in and out of that neighborhood. So it's, it's really impressive. And um, oh, also, if you ever get a chance to come back, uh, you can actually go to the Coppola estate and you mm-hmm. can go swim in their pool. You can make like a reservation and it, you get flights of wine and really? you get cabanas. And, is yeah, Francis going to be there? I would love to swim <laughs> with Francis. I don't know if Francis himself will be there, but I hear it's a really beautiful afternoon experience. (laughs) That is fantastic. And what is next for you after um, all these edible tours? What is your next step? Uh, Me personally? Yes. Um, Yeah. So I am um, leaving everything (laughs) in September and I'm traveling to Greece to work on a vineyard for about a month. And then I'm headed to Turkey and then uh, all throughout Southeast Asia. So um, my total trip's about four months. (laughs) Wow. That is fantastic. What are they going to do without you over there at uh, Edible Excursions? I know. We want to come back and take all the other tours. What do we do? Well, luckily, I'm not the only guide. Um, we have a great staff of, I think, about 14 guides between uh, these nine going on 10 tours. And uh, so they'll definitely be fine without me. Um, I hope that I can be a tour guide when I come back. So I think that job will still be available to well, me. I will put in a good word but, with Lisa for you. How about that? Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> and would love to hear back from you about Greece and Turkey and Asia. Uh, maybe we can Skype in from there. And yeah, get you to tell us fantastic. about all the all the fantastic food and and wine. It's a, it's a wine vineyard. Are you working? Yeah, it? Are you going to yeah. be stamping on the grapes? <laughs> um, I don't know if I will physically have my toes in the grapes, but we will be harvesting and pressing when I get there. So um, it's a little island uh, called Lipsy, L I P S I. Lipsy, and, not tipsy. Uh, uh, yeah, like tipsy, but with an L and ends with an I. <laughs> and uh, the guy Costas is the owner. He is of course. Uh, an expatriate. He's American, but um, of Greek heritage. And so he moved back there and decided to open up a vineyard. And um, I think that, I believe that there's goats on the farm and um, they also have olive trees and it looks beautiful. So I'm really excited to have some Greek wine, which is getting better from what I hear. So, um, <laughs> you don't sound very, very thrilled about that. No, I mean, people, I think people give Greek wine, a, uh, you know, they don't give it a fair chance necessarily. So, um, I'm kind of excited to be ahead of the trend. Um, what about, but there's um, more. What is our natural national drink? It's the, um, oh, what is that? 
Oh, yes, ouzo. <gasps> oh my that gosh. is delicious. It's like licorice. It's very strong. <laughs> it's delicious. Um, we stayed at the Grand Bretagne in Athens, and uh, they had this gift basket with ouzo. And I got to tell you, it was so, it's very strong, but it's like licorice. So it's delicious. You want to drink it. You want to smell it. You want to taste it. It mm-hmm. was fantastic. I came ho- I came back home and I made um, jello shots with that for the 4th of July. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, jello shots with ouzo definitely work. Those are class. That's a classy act right there. Yeah. Um, well, luckily uh, in San Francisco, the uh, most. Uh, have you had Fernet, Fernet Branca before? The bubbly? It's a. It's a digestif. It's um, it's Italian, but um, anyway, it's this amazing. It tastes like black licorice, uh, similar to Jägermeister, but I'd say more refined. And um, San Francisco is really strong for me. Yeah, so Fernet's a little more mellow than mm-hmm. uh, Jägermeister <laughs> and uh, Fernet Branca, and it's wildly popular in San Francisco. And it's it's uh, drank. People drink it here more than anywhere else in the world. Um, so it's the most imbibed uh, spirit. Um, and so people love it here. It's a favorite among bartenders, and people are taking shots of it left and right. I bring it up because luckily it tastes a lot like uh, black licorice. So mm. I've, it's, I've been in training for Uzo. <laughs> oh, yum. You're going to love it. Mm. Promise me you, that we're going to hear back from you and we're going to see pictures and uh, maybe we can get you on Skype and see how it's going, how it went in Athens and Turkey and Asia. Yeah, great. I would love to check in with you guys. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. And where can people find your tours? Edible Excursions. Oh, yeah. So we're at uh, edibleexcursions with an S dot net. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, yeah, so we have nine, like I said, going on 10. The 10th one's under wraps right now, but it's really exciting. Do we know what it and is? Um, I know what it is because I'm developing it, but I can't <laughs> tell you. <laughs> Not even a hint? Um, Come on. Um, it's on the sweet side. <laughs> <gasps> oh, a dessert not- tour. Amazing. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, so we've had a lot of requests for a tour like that. So I'm working on something like that. And um, yeah, so we have nine out of 10 tours. On the uh, 10th one, hopefully, will be done before September. And uh, yeah, we're located in San Francisco, and all of our guides are local cookbook authors, chefs, food writers. Um, and we love talking about food and sharing stories with people and feeding people. So it's a lot of fun. And we love to be fed. Thank you so much for doing what you do. And I look forward to hearing back from you and maybe seeing you again another time in another tour. Sounds great. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sofia. Sofia Lorenzi from edibleexcursions.net. Go and book your tour. We're standing in front of Mission Minis with Brandon. Arnavik. That's it. I'm so glad you can can get excited and get it. It's pretty easy. Arnavik. Arno. Vic. Uh, We heard that, uh, first of all, that this is the place to come to have the best cupcakes, little cupcakes. And I love the bite size because you can get two and not feel guilty about it. And that you're a great personality. So I want to know, can you tell me a little bit about your business? Can you tell me about the area and about Mission? Totally. Um, So the Mission is great. It's totally changed since I've been here. I've been here 20 years. 
and um, I really love it. Um, I loved it then. I love it now. I know some people say oh, it's gentrifying and things, and that's not good for everybody. But I think that's the natural progression of capitalist world. Um, I love it. Well, I was just at the uh, what is it? Mini the... golf. No, <laughs> there's yeah. mini golf there's at the mini golf. Yes, that's what. That's how awesome it keeps getting. Yeah. Oh. There's mini golf. There's a fourplex movie theater going in right over here. Um, I DJ every third Thursday at Laszlo, this really awesome bar in front of Foreign Cinema, which is a great restaurant. Um, there's also kind of old man bars that open at 6 a.m. and you can get $2 Heinekens, you know, it's like... At 6 a.m.? Who's in there at 6 a.m. getting $2 Heinekens? So I was told that people that work like midnight shifts okay. or that are uh, ta taxi drivers and stuff, they get off and then that's their sort of like happy hour. Yeah. But truly it's probably just old drunk dudes waiting for it to <laughs> open. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, there's part, there's neighborhoods in the in the city that are also awesome, like uh, Hayes Valley and some places in the Soma and downtown and stuff. But um, it's not as sort of um, shabby chic or kind of kitschy in this one way where you can find a range of, you know, dollar stores, dollar cupcakes, dollar menus, and also, um, you know, restaurants like Foreign Cinema or Blue Plate or Front Porch, you know, so mm -hmm. it's a great mix. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that the, the mission is more the gastronomy capital of the city versus any of the other neighborhoods. Um, there's lots of great restaurants dusted throughout the city. Um, some kind of in Soma, like um, Town Hall and Salt House and stuff, but I think um, in the mission, there's just a ton and they're great. Yeah, Hog and Rocks, Beast and Hare, all these, Craftsmen and Wolves, with all these like <laughs> cool new names. Um, and tell us, tell us about uh, Mission Minis. So Mission How did Minis, you start? yeah, um, the bakery was sort of um, born out of my um, interest in getting involved in the culinary arts, and I didn't have the time or the capacity to like open a restaurant, mm -hmm. but I wanted to do something, you know, sort of grandma apple pie, sell it at the corner store thing. And I tried lots of stuff. I tried baking and cooking lots of different things and seeing what would be like able to kind of be packaged or sold in a way where you weren't like, yeah, I made chili, let me pour you a bowl, you know? So I, I made cookies, I made cakes. I, I, like I said, I cooked and baked a ton of stuff. And um, one night um, I made cupcakes and I was kind of following a lot of the, the bakers and a lot of the um, shows on Food Network. And one day, strange as it may be, uh, Paula Dean made mini cupcakes, mini Paula red Dean. velvet, yeah. Oh. I mean, all the checkered back and forth. She's pretty cool. Um, or at least some of her recipes are. Yes. Um, let's, let's... With extra butter and all that stuff. <laughs> That's a little, she a inspired me at the time. Yeah. <laughs> she made these uh, mini red velvet cupcakes with um, a cream cheese frosting with walnuts on them or pecans on them. And I was like, all right, well, you're trying stuff. Try this. You know, no big deal. Made them and um, totally fell in love with them. And I fell in love with the idea that they were mini, like you said, yeah. and that they could be, you know, shared with friends and it wasn't like... You don't feel guilty afterwards. Yeah, you don't feel guilty. You can have one and it's cool. And I wasn't really aware of the big cupcake trend at the time. This was in 2009, sort of okay. recessionary-ish times. But, um, you know, like in Manhattan, there were 45 cupcake shops per mile or, you know, just there was all these crazy... It was blowing up, right? Cupcakes were being very um, It's popular. huge in L.A. Huge in L.A. L.A. was the last to get on the train. But... Um, you know, I think Sex in the City had a Magnolias or something, yes. and that's what sort of started it, you know? It's like when Oprah said, don't eat meat, and then the meat industry went down. I don't know if you guys are old <laughs> enough to remember that time. But anyway, I made these cupcakes, and I was like, all right, this is the thing. Do this, and why don't you, you know, you'll, you'll gauge your success by how many little coffee shops you can get it into and mm -hmm. kind of stay underground and under the radar. And that was my plan, and I, I brought them around to all these coffee shops, and I, I would buy back my day-olds, and I kind of tweaked their standing order to be... Um, you know, perfect where I wouldn't have to buy back any day olds after yeah. a while. Um, and one day I got a call from Whole Foods 
And Whole Foods had tried one of the cupcakes at Phil's Coffee, which is really cool. Phil is sort of the mayor of the mission, this cool guy. Mm -hmm. He's got great coffee. Um, I'm obviously sort of hyper enough, so I don't need coffee. But <laughs> Have you um, had Phil's Coffee I've had today? Phil's Coffee. I've had sips, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, so he was like, yeah, um, I tried your cupcake at Phil's Coffee. We love... At, at, at Whole Foods, we love to shine the spotlight on local purveyors, bakers, chocolatiers, etc. Can we meet you and talk about your recipes and see if you might be, you know, um, green-lighted for, for Whole Foods? Great. Long story short, we met. They loved them. They looked at all the recipes. They loved them. I didn't, I didn't go to culinary school, so I don't know how to cut corners. I don't know how to use fake sugar and powdered eggs or whatever they do to make mm -hmm. stuff cheaper. So this was just like five ingredients, you know, milk, sugar, flour, you know, real stuff. And um, so they loved that. Um, and we were in Whole Foods. And... Uh, Which got, ones did they buy? Uh, they bought every cupcake except red velvet. What? Because the red velvet has food coloring in it. Oh. So, and you know, it's funny because I've tried to make the red velvet with lots of different redness, you know, asahi, cranberry juice, reduced, blah, 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 whatever. Everything but blood, which is actually what <laughs> some people have made them with in the South back what? in the day. Wow. Yeah. Oh, or used to color great. it. I think they used bugs to color it at one point. I may be making this up. I don't know. I should check my facts. But red velvet is a really... Do you know how um, many people are going to go now to Google no, there and look is, that up? It is real. Red velvet has a very, um, a very checkered, or not checkered, that's kind of a negative term. It has a very um, elusive past. And where you try to find the or origination of it, I think it originally was more of a savory mm -hmm. than a sweet. And it might have been beans that made it red. I don't know. But it wasn't food oh, coloring in the beginning. Beans. How about that might have been it. That might have been it. And you know, women dyed their hair with bugs back in the day. Yeah, like hair dye was before hair dye. They used crushed bugs, and you'd see a little get, chunk of bug in your oh, hair. That's gross. Yeah, <laughs> but how, you know, how do you get the different colors? What about the blondes? They didn't have bugs. Oh, I don't well, know. Like shoe fly pie, pie, isn't there flies in shoe fly pie? I've never had a shoe fly pie. I think aren't you supposed to put a pie on the sill and then all these flies get on it and then that's the pie or something? Maybe I'm making that up too. Oh my lord! So wait, I'm, I'm back to, have the to Google good stuff. a lot after talking to you. <laughs> So Back to I, the good stuff. The red velvet weren't allowed in, and she's like, you know, good luck. Try them with side, Try it with reduced cranberry. And I did, and I was like, I'll do it. You know, it'll be great. And um, it just turned out not as good. The red velvet with the dot, you know, albeit food coloring, it's still great. And strangely, people, that's our most popular cupcake. And I think there is a flavor, weirdly enough, to the food coloring that people like. It could be. Yeah. And too much, not good, too little. Ours aren't like pink, like calamine lotion. They're like a garnet red, yeah. like a deep wine red, yeah. which I really like. And it's because we do a little bit of chocolate in there. Um, red velvet is basically chocolate vanilla yeah. mixed with a little more um, of a flavor profile. Like it has um, uh, buttermilk instead of milk. And, and mm -hmm. buttermilk is almost like a, almost half turned milk, like oh. half extra cultured. So there is some cool- I really like the ratio of the mini cupcake with the filling, the, um, the, frosting. the topping, the Yeah, frosting. so that was the big deal. I like having I a think, lot of both. Not just a lot of cake and a little bit of frosting. No, I like half and Even, half. yes. That? Like, you know, you even go to birthday parties and people are like scraping frosting off like the Safeway cakes and all that stuff. Sorry, oh. didn't mean to say Safeway. But, you know, there's people, I, everywhere I've gone, there's too much frosting. So, yes, you're and right. The ratio the is good. is not good. Right. So, yeah. why bother and why have the That is why this exists, yes. So... I, my theory is cupcakes look amazing everywhere I've ever been, yeah. but they taste awful. It's a, a great looking do. thing yeah, and you start do. eating it and you're like, it's like raw and it's like my throat is getting, yeah. it's like you ate a bag of Skittles, your throat's got all that sugar in it and it's like hurts your, you got a layer of film in your mouth from like the Crisco lard frosting. So I was like, dude, let's make cupcakes that people can eat. Yeah. The whole thing, mm, I ate one, it was good, you know, like 
So we did it, and they're a buck, which was great because they're affordable. They're like a I said, buck? yeah, they're a buck a pop. Okay, sprinkles cupcakes is gonna come after you now. <laughs> I know. Well, sprinkles it's a different demographic, and I mean, I didn't. This is more of a business of passion than a business yeah. of profit. I think Candace at Sprinkles is a businesswoman, and she's like a great marketer and all this stuff, and um, she's also the judge of Cupcake Wars, where we've been on three times. Oh wow! So we've Look become sort of friends, but. Um, yeah, Candice, Kara's cupcakes, um, One of the crumbs, things that I have to whatever. say about Sprinkles yes. is one of the best marketing things I have ever seen. The ATM. The, the cupcake yeah, ATM. I would f be floating to heaven right now if I invented that. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. It's, you genius, can see it. Dude. I mean, I wonder if they have it at airports. They will eventually. Oh, my. Do you know, have you seen those the sandwich machines that are like the old school 70s kind where there's little doors and you go in and you get a sandwich and close yes. it? So it's like a killer version of that with fresh. I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. It's now, I don't know. Do they pipe the cupcake in the machine or is it already made and they just, they made it that day and they're selling it? I think they them. made it that day. Yeah. They put each cupcake in a little box. box yeah. Like a little square, so adorable pink box. Yeah. And you just, I mean, people get a kick out of going and oh, getting a cupcake it. and they see it because a lot of the times you see the cupcakes running around Yeah. and you can pick whichever one. I'm it's jealous. incredible. Yeah, it's great. Amazing. It's great. And I actually had a Sprinkles cupcake and it was really good. Kara's cupcake is, a, is another one here in the city. Um, she's great. She, their cupcakes are cool. They're really too sugary for I me. I want to talk but... about your cinnamon horchata yes. cupcake, how that came about. So you are famous around here for your cinnamon horchata. I like those guys. Um, yeah, so I came, coming into the mission and, and doing cupcakes, cupcakes are not like traditionally like Latino, Hispanic, um, you know, mm -hmm. Chicano, desserts they would may have you like throw horchata in there and the latinos right. are gonna so go what my, i haven't had point. that so i was like don't come in here and just do a bunch of like traditional like white dude recipes because if you kind of marinate with the neighborhood more you might get a little more love so i thought instead of doing chocolate we did an aztec chocolate which has a little bit of cinnamon and a little bit of chili powder instead of doing um you know just all recipes that are kind of traditional 50s stuff you know that was my my whole thing was leaning on like traditional recipes not mm -hmm. not doing like wasabi cashew or yeah. bacon whatever doing just you know chocolate vanilla peanut butter you know um, coconut lemon and stuff so i thought instead of normal chocolate do aztec chocolate and then and try something that the neighborhood does you know what all the taquerias have horchata you know you yeah. get it with your food and your tacos and your burritos and i thought how can i make a cupcake out of this um so i substituted the milk for horchata in, in the base yeah. and it turned out to be amazing it was like well one, i gotta tell to you one. i just had it yeah. and it's incredible and it tastes like horchata. i couldn't even wait yeah. i was like i want my horchata we do, cupcake I think we do a um i think we do a dulce de leche cream cheese dulce there you go. Yes. That's how you have to market it to dulce, not dulce. Yeah, not dulce. Come dulce on. And it's not dulce and Gabbana. Dulce de leche. Yes. We do a dulce de leche cream, cream cheese frosting. So we mix a little of that, you know, caramel in with this frosting so it gets it kind of merit it marries really well mm -hmm. with the cake and you really get that whole in experience um, okay. yeah so and, and I'm not opposed to it we do we've done like a tres leches we've done a sweet plantain Ooh, we'll sweet totally plantain. Yeah, we'll totally hang you know with the <gasps> that's hood. like the Cuban cupcake right but the it's all around plantain. here there's spots around you know that have that the plantains and oh we're gonna have to come back for the sweet plantain yeah. um, but we'll do flavors uh, some custom flavors there's of course you have the menu of the ten yes. sort of standards but Having Aztec chocolate and cinnamon horchata is um, part of what makes it uh, a little bit of a mission flair, a little bit of a yeah, neighborhood flair. And I gotta say, it's absolutely delicious and I'm really excited that I got to meet you yes. and take a, uh, take a, um, a walk into Mission Minis. Yes. And I love that. I think I'll come back for the sweet plantain. 
Please. You gotta call it the call. Cuban. We'll make you Cuban some cupcake. stuff, some secret special. <laughs> yeah, the Cuban one. You know, we're actually considering doing um, a mango lassie cupcake with cardamom. Oh my god, that's hilarious. And it's similar. So I look like you know, horchata is at the taqueria. Mm -hmm. Is the same way that mango lassie is at like Indian restaurants. Yes. And it's like to get this drink, which is a made and homemade and awesome, and mix it in with the cupcakes and try and like, you know, create this flavor within a cupcake and with that the cardamom and stuff with fresh cardamom and yeah, it's and what it, kind of frosting. Um, I think it'd be the mango frosting. I think it's going to be a cardamom cake with mango frosting, from what I can gather, yeah. And I, I just, I want to try new flavors. I want to stay in our sort of palette and, um, you know, keep it real, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> and grow and do whatever and see what's up. And, and what, um, where's, where's your, what's your website? Where can people find you? People can come to missionminis.com and it's M-I-S-S-I-O-N, M-I-N-I-S.com. And they can find us here in the Mission on 22nd between Mission and Cap right by the hustle and bustle, best parts of the mission. Um, there's great food all around, great wine and drinks and snacks and whatever. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds great. Thank yeah. you so much of for course. talking to us today. There it, you go. It's a city filled with weird, interesting, iconic. Fantastic personalities yeah. and great food. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, this was really a different trip to San Francisco for us. We got to see a bunch of different areas uh, that we had never been to before. It was really fun driving around in that go-car. Um, it was fun. It was a little clunky. Well, and I, it, was, it was kind it was of, it wasn't very powerful. I, yeah. But it was cool. It was like you were, it was like you were in a race. It was. With it was real fun. big it was giant fun. cars. And you get to see the entire city because it's open. Well, you do because I was driving. I was too scared to look around because it was very <laughs> intense. You did a great job with a gold cart. That's right. We didn't crash. Thank goodness. So it's a great time to go to San Francisco. You can pretty much count on decent weather. We went to the uh, giant game Tuesday night. And that was fun. They won. It was. The Giants won, and they beat the Cardinals. Yay. Oh, I like the Cardinals. They were but really boy, nice to us. A beautiful park, AT&T Park. Gorgeous. But about a 30-degree temperature difference between the outfield, where you're in the wind, and behind home plate, where you're that, not in the wind. That was really odd. Yeah. Because I, I, if you've heard the show long enough, you know that I do not do winter. No. I don't like the cold. I like being warm and fuzzy mm -hmm. and cozy. And um, when we were by the water... It was freezing and wind was blowing and my hair was going all over the place. Right on the bay, yeah. Yeah, but right when we got in, like right behind home plate, everything, there was no wind. Well, because the actual stadium blocks the wind. That's it's, the beauty of it. I like that. And you know what I like too? The San Francisco Giant fans, they know their shit. They're, they're good baseball fans. It's the opposite of going to a baseball game at Dodger Stadium where people don't know what they're talking about and or what they're watching. they have good food. They had a Cuban sandwich. They had a crab sandwich. They had sweet potato fries. Uh, they didn't have sweet potato latte, but sweet potato fries. And we had the big Polish kielbasa, which was spicy and delicious. And garlic fries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was actually kind of nouveau ballpark food, but not offensive. It was all no, delicious and greasy. No, everybody was very and real and down to you. earth, and it was it And the was beer great. was cold, and the game was good. Uh, all in all, a great time to go to San Francisco. It's our summer of fun. This week we were talking all about San Francisco. Thanks for listening to us. If you missed uh, any of our previous shows, you can catch up with us at a aforkontheroadshow.com. You should also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're always giving out free coupons and hotel and airline discounts. Uh, I'm at Mark DiCarlo on Twitter. And on Instagram, I'm Mark DiCarlo TV. And I'm at Traveling Diva on Twitter and Instagram, Yenny Alvarez, but I like Twitter better. And also, um, subscribe on iTunes. Mm -hmm. Subscribe, leave us a nice review. We've been getting yeah. lots of good ones lately. We appreciate it. We're the most popular food and travel talk show on the Internet. We want to keep it that way. So thanks for listening this week. we got another big show planned for you next week, but we're not even going to tell you about it. 
because we want to keep you in suspense. Later on this summer, however, I'm going to be at the Smoke on the Square event in Lincoln, Illinois at the end of August. Giant barbecue festival with all kinds of professional barbecuers there. Uh, I'm going to be doing my show down there. We're going to be doing a remote episode from there. So if you're in the central Illinois area, it's about three hours south of Chicago. It's the uh, 22nd through the 24th of August. Get some tickets for that. It's the smokeonthesquare.com. You can get tickets there. We're going to be back in St. Louis. We're going to be in Philadelphia. Uh, We're going to be in Chicago. We're going to be all over the place. Uh, We're going to be back in New Orleans Back in New Orleans. And New York. Might I'm going to be in New York. Might even be going, uh, doing a show in Australia. So we have a lot of great things planned for you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, helping spread the word of the show. Tell two friends and they'll two, two, tell two friends. And tell your friends to review. <laughs> yeah. So thanks again for listening. We appreciate it. And until next week, I'm Mark DiCarlo. And I'm Yenny Alvarez. And we'll see you on a fork on the road. I left my heart. In San Francisco High on a hill It calls to me To be where little cable cars Climb halfway to the stars the morning fog may chill the air. I don't care, my love waits there in San Francisco above the blue. And windy sea When I come home to you San Francisco Your gold